Okay. Can I be honest here? Yes. I used to rely on alcohol for a lot of things, including managing my PMS symptoms like anxiety, irritability, feeling blue, ugh, huge mistake. However, as a sober girl today, that is obviously not an option, but have no fear. Ladies, we found a solution to our PMS woes, alcohol so not needed. Enter Jubilance, your daily support and new BFF when it comes to true and effective PMS relief. It's so simple. Just take one capsule a day and keep your symptoms at bay. If you're interested in trying it, you can use the code SOBERGIRLS for $10 off your first order. I've noticed I have more energy, focus, less cravings, and my mood feels so much more balanced. Jubilance is a non-hormonal available over-the-counter and powered by two-ingredient formula used by thousands of women worldwide to live PMS mood symptom-free. Think less anxiety, less irritability, more peace, power, and dare I say, fun all month long. Try Jubilance for $10 off by visiting jubilance.com forward slash sobergirls or Use the promo code SOBERGIRLS at checkout. That's J-U-B-I-L-A-N-C-E dot com slash SOBERGIRLS for $10 off. Okay, can I be honest here? Yes. I used to rely on alcohol for a lot of things, including managing my PMS symptoms like anxiety, irritability, feeling blue, ugh, huge mistake. However, as a sober girl today, that is obviously not an option, but have no fear. Ladies, we found a solution to our PMS woes, alcohol so not needed. Enter Jubilance, your daily support and new BFF when it comes to true and effective PMS relief. It's so simple. Just take one capsule a day and keep your symptoms at bay. If you're interested in trying it, you can use the code SOBERGIRLS for $10 off your first order. I've noticed I have more energy, focus, less cravings, and my mood feels so much more balanced. Jubilance is a non-hormonal available over-the-counter and powered by two-ingredient formula used by thousands of women worldwide to live PMS mood symptom-free. Think less anxiety, less irritability, more peace, power, and dare I say, fun all month long. Try Jubilance for $10 off by visiting jubilance.com forward slash sobergirls or Use the promo code SOBERGIRLS at checkout. That's J-U-B-I-L-A-N-C-E dot com slash SOBERGIRLS for $10 off. Welcome to Two Sober Girls. I am so excited to be joined by always my beautiful co-host, Michaela, and another beautiful friend, mentor, coach, just extraordinary human being, Gabrielle Brick. For those of you who do do not know Gabrielle yet, um, she is the most incredible um, transformation coach. She helps women get their energy and passion back for life. She has over 20 years experience using plant-based strategies um, and she promotes radical self-love. And she's here today to share about her journey with alcohol and how she has decided one day at a time to put down the drink, to drink less, to change her relationship around alcohol and what that looks like for her. So Gabrielle, welcome. We're so thrilled to have you here. And, you know, for today, we want to just jump into your story. There's so much power in when we share our stories and um, how you came from a place of 
drinking heavily. I'll let you get into that to a place of where you are today, which is doesn't look anything like that old life. So I'll let you jump in. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here with the both of you. Um, so, so thank you. You know, I, I'm going to say too, that um, <clears throat> you're the first podcast where I've ever shared this specific story. <gasps> Can't wait. Honored. Um, yeah. So I think it's important to, I'm going to go way back and, and really kind of give a picture of how I grew up and why that mattered. <clears throat> so my father was actually a famous singer um, in the sixties. He toured with Jimi Hendrix, the who they opened their, his band opened for the who. Yeah. My father was an amazing singer. Wow. Yeah. And uh, his band was called the sundowners and um, you know, I could rave about my daddy uh, daddy's mm -hmm. girl for life. Um and I mean, he sang in the Hollywood Bowl. Tom Jones gave him a standing ovation, right? But so so when I was born, uh, my dad did the local circuits in New York, New Jersey, and Philadelphia, right? The tri-state area. Why that's important is because I grew up since an infant going to nightclubs. Mm. It was the 70s. Now I'm giving away my age, but that's okay because I'm ageless. We're all ageless. Yes, you are. <laughs> so now I'm going to fast forward. There was a point when I was, so I grew up, you know, I was an artist. I was, you know, I danced since I was three, um, theater voice, all of that. And when I, I, I went to college, whew, so I'm, I'm kind of skipping, but when I went to college, that was my first time really away from home. And that's when things went wild, but I'm going to preface by saying, you know, I was drinking with friends by 13, mm -hmm. right? 16, really 13 smoking, having, you know, like all oh, it's a sip. Okay. Whatever. By 16, full-fledged drinking, smoking pot. That was me smoking, right? 13, 15. Yeah. Yeah. All in. And, yeah, crazy. And by 18, I was sneaking out of the house on weekends, going while well, all my friends were in their 20s and 30s, going to nightclubs. And I remember asking myself at one point while I was drinking, like, what is, why do I feel home here? Wow. Because you grew up that way. Exactly. Right. Exactly. You, you recreated that in your exactly you know and I come from a very big Irish Italian family while it's small now but very very big um so you know grandpa's making homemade wine homemade limoncello I mean so there's pictures of me as an infant with my dad holding me on stage in the nightclubs as well as in the high chair with my grandpa's beer can or I remember being a little girl, like taking little nips because my grandpa would give me little nips. They're called in these little tiny glasses. Oh, we'll water it down here. Have a little homemade wine, you know, have a little limoncello. Wow. And I think that this is really important because there wasn't, a, there wasn't anything wrong mm -hmm. in my family, right? So to speak, there wasn't 
sure, we all have our emotional trauma and our bags and all that stuff, but there wasn't this event that created a situation. It was a lifestyle Mm -hmm. that I grew up in that allowed me to feel really comfortable. So fast forward college is where it got really intense. And then I, after college, I was a dance major when I moved into Manhattan and I was, you know, your classic starving artist, right. And trying to get into shows and, you know, the dream was to dance on the silver screen and, uh, and you, I worked my ass off. I have an amazing work work ethic. And so I would work my ass off and party just as hard. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, I, I remember at one point, like just God, this is like, I, I, I knew I wasn't happy. Right. I knew, I knew in college, I wasn't happy. I didn't know why I couldn't figure out why I was depressed, likely because of all the alcohol and drugs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, I had always known that there was something more. And, and I think this is another piece to touch on too, right? So I grew up in this particular lifestyle. And then I always also as a child felt like there was something more to this life than going to work and coming home, right? I, I really was present to something way beyond just us and, and big and magical in the world. And I didn't know how to describe it. And the people around me didn't know except go to church. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So I had always, so, so in the city is where it gets interesting um, because, and I'm in my twenties at this point um, because I I just, I knew I was lost and things were going downhill. And uh, in May of um, I was going to say 2024, but no, it's 2023 right now. (laughs) May 24th, Back when I was in my early twenties, I can't remember the year as I was, I was, um, I just don't want my children to hear. I was raped by two men with a gun to my head. And that was the moment I went. Now, why did this happen? Because I was drunk off my ass Mm -hmm. in the cloisters of New York city with my other two drunk as crazy Mm -hmm friends at 2 a.m. in the cloisters in Manhattan. Anybody who knows Manhattan and the cloisters at that time is like, you know, what Gab? So that night, and I had done, you know, it was so interesting because I had actually studied psychology and stuff like that. So it was interesting because when it happened, I was like, oh, and I was a gang initiation. I could just tell from what the guys were talking about, you know, how, what they were saying to each other. Just, we just got to get through it. You know, they tried to be nice, but clearly they had a gun and oh. it was crazy. Yeah. Oh. So, so anyway, so it was that moment that I said, okay, no matter how much you hate yourself or dislike yourself or whatever the hell is going on, this whole thing has to stop because you deserve to live. Yes. Oh right. Like this kind of violation. Oh. Also, if you didn't drink, you weren't drunk, you weren't out at 2 a.m., that would not have happened. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We put ourselves in these crazy positions when we are drunk. We, our brain does not work the same. No. (laughs) Yeah. Right. The addict. That's the thing. 
Yeah. Yes. So yes. sorry. And thank you. And I'm, I'm, you know, so that night I, I, I forced myself to sleep alone. People were like, oh, let me sleep at the house with you. And I was like, no. And I rationally worked through the fears that someone was going to climb through my fifth story walk up window and, and attack me. Like I knew that I was going through traumatic pieces and I just forced myself to go through that. But that was really, I wanted to pinpoint that moment because that was the moment that I said, okay, you're going down a really dark path and you have a choice to make right now. This is your crossroads. Wow. Right. And you know, I mean, I mean, there's so many stories I could tell you. The fact that I'm still alive is a miracle. <laughs> God mm-hmm. is good. Mm-hmm. And that the reason I'm sticking to that story is because that was the crossroads story that I went, wait a minute. Yeah. And now I am trying to get sober. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> but you've what never known this are. new lifestyle, this new path. So how did you figure out what to do next? Well, I, I tripped a lot, right? I still worked in the restaurant industry. Um, and, and oddly enough, the, I was attracting people who were trying to have a spiritual life while we were snorting Coke and drinking really bizarro. Right. And I was really struggling being sober as a pusher, of course. Right. Because I was one of the best bartenders in Manhattan at the time. It's so fun, a total pusher. I was like, fill it all the way up. No, but then I would feel bad. I was like, oh my God, I'm thinking of that Nina Simone song, Push a Man. And I'm like, wow, I'm a pusher. That's crazy. Yeah, I would pour people's drinks too. It's a thing. I know. I can. Right? Mm-hmm. So I was on a break and I would go to Barnes and Nobles when I was on a break and be like, all right, speak to me, you know? And I saw this book. Now, this part of the story, you, you, I think you've heard before, but this, so I I'm in Barnes and Noble and I'm like frustrated. I'm just like, oh, I need something, please God, you know? And I, I see three naked guys in a tree and I was like, really? What the hell is this? <laughs> well, I have to open it. Right. <laughs> and I open it up. It's called Nature's First Law, The Raw Food Diet. And I read the first page and I slam the book shut. And I became a vegan raw foodist overnight. And that was the first day that I was sober for several years, or at least consecutively for a year at a time. And then a year at a time. It gave you a purpose. It gave you a focus. I think when you decide to stop, it's... You, your brain needs to refocus on something else other than wallowing. Like, what did I just do? And thinking about the past, we have to move forward and find something new. Like our brain needs to be stimulated. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so also, this- as you say, like, like what your, what your journey took you on, like when you eat raw whole foods, you're putting different energy in your body, which awakens something inside of you. Right. Mm-hmm. Can you speak? Yes. On that? How did you feel when you Well, what was really profound for me is when I was reading the book, and this is going to be a triggering statement, what I'm going to say is at the end of every chapter, and sometimes within multiple paragraphs, the book would say cooked food is poison. 
And one paragraph in particular said, we're so cooked, we have to smoke the air we breathe. Whoa. And I was like, now, now, mind you, when I was a smoker, I smoked for the art of smoking. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. And I, I also want to back up for a second because when I was in Manhattan and trying to get sober and I would go to AA and I was trying to find all these things. It was actually one evening and this was after the rape, but it was it was walking down the street and I saw and it had been probably six months since I had had a drink and I saw, and I was processing and I was confused and I'd been to an AA meeting and I was just like, Oh man, I don't know. You know, what is this all about? And I saw a window display of alcohol and I caught myself say, Oh, I miss you. And I was like, wait a minute, you're referring to an inanimate object. Mm-hmm. As a person mm-hmm. or a friend. Mm-hmm. And that right there was another crossroads because I realized for me, it had nothing to do with the chemical addiction. Because when I decided to quit smoking, I quit. When mm-hmm. I decided to quit cocaine, I quit. When I decided to quit crack, I quit. Drinking was different. Drinking was the hardest thing I had. Why do you ever- think that is? Because of the emotional attachment to what it meant about family, fun, friendship, uh, someone to soothe me who got my dark side, right? How were you able to rewrite that? How was I able to what? How were you able to rewrite that? I was able to rewrite that through rewriting my nutrition. So what happened is when I became a raw foodist, what, and and I'm, I'm clearly I'm an extremist. And, and when I say that, I mean, not when I'm working with people, but my personal, when I decide something, I decide it and I go into it fully. And that can feel very abrupt and and extreme for people. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so for me, when I decided, like, I knew that this path of nutrition and health and healing was going to take me to a whole new level. And what I, when I, I became, I, I was obsessed and reading probably about five books a night uh, for years, right? Like just, just like what, obviously not five books in one night, but like constantly five books all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, just researching, 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 and experiencing the detox, experiencing the, 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 oh my God, the, the chronic illness and the depression that I had suffered with what felt like for as long as I could remember finally started to subside. I went through some scary, scary, uh, detox symptoms, Um, you know, don't ever try this at home, right? Because you have to understand that you take self-responsibility into account when you're, when you're going to do something extreme. And so, I mean, I had, I was losing hair. I was getting boils. I mean, crazy things were happening. And so it's not all sexy. It's not like you go down and all of a sudden glowy skin, you have perfect relationship. Like, yes, that is the ultimate outcome. It takes many years for some, you will get there, but it's not an, for some, it is an immediate thing where they feel lighter. They feel clearer. Like you'll get those things, 
but your body was detoxing, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yes, exactly. I'm so glad you said that because while there were moments of like total confirmation that this was the right choice because I, my body felt lighter, my mind felt clearer. I would have these wild moments of elation of like, oh my God, it's good. It's like I'm high, but I'm sober. Yes. We feel it all the time. Right? <laughs> exactly. I'm like, what did I take? Nothing. Yes. That's why I'm like, I've got a golden ticket. Mm, amen. And that really was. And what- also when you're down, when you're just chilling, you're just chilling. Exactly. Like in the dumps, chilling. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And the amount of energy all of a sudden. that oh. I have. Yes. Right? So go back to all yeah. of these bad experiences you were, you were having while detoxing. Yeah. And so, sure. So while detoxing, I went through, so I used to get chronic um, yeast infections, chronic sinus infections. I had chronic constipation. Um, I was chronically inflamed, like where I would be now, mind you, I'm working out all the time and dancing, but I was, I could, you know, and I look at the pictures and I'm like, God, I was I was inflamed, right? Even though I was thin, I was inflamed. And then there was periods when I was really heavy into drinking that I was, I was, uh, you know, 20, 30 pounds overweight. Yeah. And, you know, the detox symptoms I got, and this is what most people don't want to go through, but this is the thing you need to go through to get to the other side. And God, if, if there's anything I could ever encourage someone to do, you know, support it properly, um, you know, it is to really weather the storm. Yes. Stay. Yes. Stay in it. Stay in it. It's going to be okay. It's going to actually be the best ever when you get out. Yes. Right. And I got the worst yeast infection of my life. And then I never got one again. This was while you were detoxing? Correct. Because Uh what our body has to do is actually push. So as we peel layers, right? We detox, we detox, we detox. And depending on how you're doing the detox, it's either going to go hard and fast, slow and steady, middle of the road, like it depends where you are, right? Everybody's detox experience is different. And that is determined on the road or the approach that you take. I went hardcore. Mm -hmm. And so I had hardcore results. I was losing clumps of hair, clumps of hair, but I'm super, um, I did all my research. So I was like, oh yeah, okay. That's going to happen. So I was like, okay, this is freaky. I'm freaked out, but it's yeah. going to happen. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, I was getting boils. Wow. So how long, how much longer until your bad symptoms sort of stopped and you started the to bad feel better? Sy- symptoms took a solid year. Wow. Yeah. And this whole time you were raw vegan? I was raw vegan. I was, um, yeah. I mean, it was amazing. So when I decided to do this overnight within six months, I was executive to the owner as the sous chef. 
um, who was a culinary trained guy. And we had the only gourmet raw food um, store um, or kitchen, I should say, on, in the tri-state area. And so we delivered, I made all the food with him. We delivered to over 300 stores in the tri-state area. Wow. And that's where I met then David Wolf. Uh, we did an event for him. Love him. Nice. Yes. And then he became my mentor. I literally packed up my bags, got rid of everything I owned that could fit and uh, unless it could fit in my car. And I took my cats and I drove out to California and slept in the warehouse and then, and became his assistant and traveled all over Canada and the United States. Um, and that was really where my mentorship began. Mm -hmm. And that is really where I would say, healing, a, a really profound layer of healing began. Huh. And that's really where I had been sober for so long. And I, and I want to, I want to fast forward a little bit because it wasn't until I came home, which was probably maybe a year to two years later that I got drunk again, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I misstepped mm -hmm. why, because I was back home mm. in the familiar territory. And I wasn't quite as solid as I thought I was. Mm. And then I would leave and go be due. And, and I loved being sober. But that's part I mean, of the journey process. It is. The journey of getting sober or just yeah. even yeah, evolving. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and it wasn't until... Um, I, I said at one point, I said, you know, if I can be in New York and be sober, I'm good. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, I did it. So what did that take? Different lifestyle shifts, obviously Different you didn't lifestyle. go out to clubs. Did you go out to clubs again? No, or? no, that's the I thing. Skipped, it's a trigger, right? Yeah. yeah I yeah. skipped yeah. many reunions because mm -hmm. I knew, I knew there's no way I'll come out of that sober. Mm. Yeah. You know, and, and that was sad and, 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 and yeah, you feel like you're only, missing out. Yeah. 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 FOMO, right. Exactly. But my, I had finally reached a place where I was worth more, right. than the people pleasing than the FOMO yeah. than whatever it was, I was worth more. Amazing. So as you said, you, you went extreme in terms of, uh, detoxing, healing, you completely changed your lifestyle. So do you have any tips for people who aren't looking to perhaps go like an extreme route, but what can people start to do or women, um, if they are looking to improve their lives, change their habits, change their lifestyle, what are some things that they can do? Mm -hmm. I think one of the, the first things to do is, is get honest with yourself about what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do. Yeah. You know, I've been really actually thinking a lot lately about the words I don't want to, instead of, I can't, it's, I don't want to. Hey, Amen. Right. It's so okay. I can't do anything basically, but I don't freaking want to. And being exactly. okay with that. Or not right now. Yeah. 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 But I think there's something freeing. Yes. About, I don't want to. And that, cause it's the truth. 
it's the truth. And females, we never, we are like, we're so conditioned to be like, I'm so sorry. I would really love to, but inside you're like, no, I could <laughs> just, oh man, I'm so busy. And you're like, never, but okay. I love that. Just being so honesty, you're saying is an yes. integral part of it's yeah. an integral part, but we got to get honest with ourselves first, yes. yeah. right? Like, what are you really willing to do? And it's okay yes. if it's only this one little piece, start mm. there, right? Yes. And then the other thing is you absolutely, hands down, 111% want to get your hands on um green drinks and cacao elixirs. Mm. Tell me about your cacao elixirs. Cause I see them on Instagram. No, I do you not, not drink coffee. Day. No, never. So no coffee. What no, do you- I used to drink coffee. Okay. But coffee. So let's just, just a little tangent, but it's related. Addiction is addiction we is want your cacao lady. <laughs> We're okay. Send a kit. <laughs> I know. right? <laughs> so, so I feel like, you know, our society is a culture that promotes addiction in every way. And being high on coffee is one of them. Yes. It burns the adrenals. You run on cortisol. You're unable to make uh, proper um, decisions because you are in fight or flight. If you're running on cortisol, you are in fight or flight period. So I don't drink coffee. I drink cacao. Now people who are into splitting hairs, which I am. How long haven't you, haven't you had coffee? Oh my God. I can't even remember. What? Um, I know (laughs) it's at least now I did have a cup of, there was, this is, but it's still three or four years ago of, um, a local, it was, they opened up an organic roaster, right? Like 15 minutes from me. I was like, did you enjoy it? I loved it. And then I paid for it. I paid for it. In in what way? Physically, I think because of how I treated my body for all those years from, you know, let's say 16 to 26, 27, right? It's 10 years of major abuse. Yeah. And, um, I, I used to drink double, triple shots of espresso plus a Frappuccino plus coffee all in one day. And which is why I needed a bottle of vodka and whatever else to come down. Right. Yep. Yep. So, so for me, when I drink a cup of coffee, I, um, I become like unhinged emotionally. My adrenals just, I feel like they, this is going to sound strange, but to give you a visual, I feel like my, I was punched in my lower back and my adrenals are screaming at me. Oh yeah. So I don't touch it. Okay. Yeah. I, so what's I in like, your cacao drink? Do you have a, a recipe? Cacao elixir. So yes. let's just talk about cacao because people are going to split hairs. You'll be like, Oh, but cacao is stimulating. No, it's not. I mean, it is, but it's not <laughs> in the sense. I love you. <laughs> cacao is appropriately named theobromine in Latin, which means the food of the gods for a reason. Okay, Montezuma 
collected cacao beans instead of gold. Let's think about this, right? The value of this food that has over 300 compound chemicals that support the function of the body. It is the number one food source for magnesium, which is the number mm -hmm. one deficiency, as well as the number one mineral for the heart, right? Wow. So this is a heart opener. It also stimulates neurotransmitter activity, okay? Neurotransmitter activity. So kids, the reason they're like, do, 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 is because they've got zillions of neurotransmitters firing rapidly at all, all the time. As we get older, this decreases. Cacao actually allows for rapid neurotransmitter fire in, in a healthy way, right? So there's no actual caffeine. There's no caffeine. It's because it releases anandamide or bliss chemical. It's because it helps the brain actually fire properly mm -hmm. that we feel alert and focused. So my kids, when I'm homeschooling or we're doing a big project or I have a big project where I used to drown myself in coffee and still yeah. be asleep, I now drink cacao because it gives me the alert focused, creative energy I need. And you're also getting that creamy satisfaction and I'm sure it's delicious. Decadently chocolate. Exactly. Yes. So do you, do you make yours uh, like by yourself? Do you like put in any? I do. I have a things? I have a gorgeous elixir kit that I created mm -hmm. um, that will be, I know people are like tug and gab, get it. Michaela, I'm dying for this kit. I'm on a wait list for this kit. <laughs> I, I want. Thank you. So now we, we have two people on your wait list added. I mean, okay. two silver girls. <laughs> do you put any other superfoods in it? I do. So in the formulas that I made, I created one specific. So, so the reason I am so in love with this formula, one of them, um, glow, my glow formula, um, is because it has quite literally helped women, um, who have had a variety of menstrual issues right now. I was one of those women who, because I was so toxic, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and women just don't put this piece together. If you, I had cycles mm -hmm. for eight days and the first day was like a murder scene oh. and I would never, I would not be able to go to work and I would be laid out. Okay, wow. yeah, that is a toxicity overload. When I was, when I went raw and cleaned out my body, my cycle went to three days, beautiful, bright red, um, very like, like I would say, you know, a teaspoon, two, maybe per day. I mean, not to get so specific, yeah. Yeah. sober girls, whatever. Yeah. And the guys listening, sorry. Um, <laughs> not sorry. This is what we go through. Okay. <laughs> um, and, and it's been that way ever since. Right. Nice. And so I've used this specific formula to actually help women, as well as helping them transform their, their, their lifestyle. Um, but, but this can help you in a pinch, get to work, feel good emotionally, physically balance out your hormones, balance out your energy levels. So you can get through the day and eventually turn that whole thing around. Do you use a milk in yours? Like a nut I milk? do not. So dairy actually has an enzyme inhibitor that blocks all of the beneficial nutrients of cacao. So isn't it interesting that they put milk and chocolate sacrilege? Mm. Dark what about like almond milk or hemp milk? You could do almond hemp. I use coconut milk okay. um, or coconut mana, coconut mana. 
and um, which is the real, the whole coconut, you know, blended down. Um, but the cacao elixirs really are game changers. What they do for your body, mind, and soul is, is truly uplifting and magical. Um, you know, and then green juices to balance it out, yeah. right? We all need the balance, right? So I, I, I bake a joke, but it's, you know, kind of true. I basically exist all day on green juices and chocolate. Do you make your own green juices in the morning? I use uh, something called Power Shake, which I love. Uh, I used to before kid, pre-kids. I juiced yeah. everything, prepped everything. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm going to be a raw food mommy. But God bless all the raw food mommies out there. It's hard work. Oh, my it's, God. It's a lot. <laughs> so I... I'm so glad I have my power shake because it's all raw, biodynamic, organic, dehydrated greens. And so I get the equivalent of six superfood salads in one serving. And I drink that. I take my uh, plant-based protein pills. I drink my chocolate drink. I definitely chew food. You know, I'll have a salad or whatever else I want, Um, you know. I make all kinds of things, but where I'm the happiest and where I feel the best is in the balance of greens all day and chocolate all day. Beautiful. So since we're on this topic, I wanted to ask you, what is your morning and evening routine? So you wake up and I want to know the, the details, like, do you drink water first? Do you, you know, make your bed? Do you tongue scrape? Like, what do I do? All the things. (laughs) Okay. We want it. Give me the deeds. Okay. So in this season right now, because it is seasonal, it does change for me. Girls, um, get a pen and paper. Yeah. <laughs> write yeah. it down. <laughs> um, it does change for me based on, I mean, I think there are cyclical, right? I think the things that we do are cyclical, like nature. Nature has a rhythm and that's, um, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. So right now, when I get up in the morning, I go use the powder room and um i have water and my water always has a pinch of celtic sea salt in it and i drink water direct from a spring in the forest oh, yeah nice. so i go gather with my kids we it, it's amazing people have been going i've been going for 17 years but it's a a national park and you they have a a a, a pipe a steel pipe coming out of a rock And it's always running and I go fill up my jugs and that's the water that we drink. You know, that's a good point. I've, I, for years, I've been wanting to see locally because I know that's possible all throughout the United States. You can find like, I think there's like an app or you can find Find a local spring. I know the guy who started. Okay. Okay. So it's findyourspring.com. Find a spring. A spring. Okay. Love that. Aaron, let's go. Yes. It's up by me. Well, it's 40 minutes from me, but you know, let's have a a day trip girls. And then you come over and we'll drink chocolate. Yeah. Okay. So, so I get up, I drink my spring water. I take three systemic enzymes. uh, And I do that because systemic enzymes are a powerful way to eat up any inflammation in the blood. Mm, nice. Yeah. So, and then I usually take with that two biomedic, um, which are 
um, capsules that are specifically formulated to remove glyphosate from our tissues, as well as repair the gut microbiome. So I usually do that together. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then I drink water. I just keep drinking water. I feed my kitties. Um, and then it's usually now, and I, I go around, like I'll do my morning medit like after I feed my kitties, like I usually just grab water or nothing. And I just, you know, sit with my journal or I'll meditate or I'll, I have a beautiful view. I look out at my view. Like I, I really just kind of get centered. What kind of meditation do you like? I, um, I've, I, this one has been tried and true for me for so many years. I try to like get away from it and do something else. And I'm like, oh, this just works for me. So I'm sticking with it. It's, um, a specific music. It's about three minutes and 20 seconds, um, that was specifically formulated for meditation and it really helps me stay focused. And so I do my mantras and visualizations to the music. And because it's only three minutes, busy mama mm -hmm. entrepreneur. It's I still impactful. Exactly. One minute is impactful. But if you, you have to have a system, you can't just exactly. sit there and expect, you know, expect your life to change. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then if I have like, so sometimes I just keep pressing and I'll do it for 15, 20, 30 minutes. Sometimes I do it twice, which is what, six minutes, you know, mm -hmm. but at mm -hmm. least I got it in. Right. And then I, I, um, will write down a gratitude, whether it's sometimes I have like 20 gratitudes. Sometimes I have two. Mm, beautiful. Right? And I take a moment every single day to step outside and take a deep breath and look at the sky. Mm -hmm. Just remember that I am connected to nature, which is my church, which is for me, uh, reminds me of, of great spirit and, and, you know, the creator of all that is. Mm. So beautiful. And then I, I don't imbibe any kind of food um, usually for two to three hours. And, and by food, I break my fast with either fruit um, or an elixir or a green juice. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And then you'll have like a salad and. Um, then, well, it depends on what I had. So if I, let's just, I'll, I'll do it this way. So if I broke my fast with fruit, then usually about 30, 40 minutes later, I have my elixir that the elixir sustains me for at least two hours, usually sometimes three, at which point then I'll have my green juice. Mm -hmm. So usually my first two meal is around three, two or three o'clock. Um, and that will be anything from a salad to sauteed veggies. Mm -hmm. Soup. Um, yeah. 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 Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Anything like that. And then I usually have another green juice. And if I'm really feeling like it's that kind of day and I'm on my cycle or it's been extra emotional, I'll have another chocolate drink. Yeah. Very nice. I love it. Yeah. So what's your wind down routine? Mm. Because we need that as, we especially do. when we put the drink down, we need to just have a routine that sets our nervous system 
like just relaxes us. And um, otherwise you're just going to obsessively be thinking about what you're quote unquote missing out, which you're not missing out on anything. You just, you need a proper evening routine, morning routine. Um, And that's different for everybody. You know, I share mine all the time. I know Erin has hers Mm -hmm. and it works, whatever works. And with seasons, it can change, which is fine. Um, But you need something to replace that five o'clock, you know, glass of wine habit or, you know, going out to eat at night and and having that, like, we need to replace it with other things. So for me, as an Italian, um, and even in the Irish, we drank while we cooked. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, I was constantly making mocktails because I needed that sip while I'm cooking for everybody. And I, I still sometimes need that. Mm-hmm. I was very, thank you for turning me on ladies to curious elixirs. So sometimes I do that. So fun. Right. Mm. Sometimes I make homemade water kefir. I'll put that in one of my antique wine glasses and Beautiful. I'll drink that. Beautiful. Right. Like it's for me, it's about the glass and the fizz. So ritual. Yeah. Yes. You don't have to let go of that part. You just exactly let go of what's inside. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We just got to change relationship to what's inside that, that fancy glass. And, um, and then, so, so I'll usually do that while I'm cooking for the kids or whatever, you know, whoever I'm cooking for myself and, you know, I'll, I'll pick on, uh, I love uh, artisanal vegan raw cheeses. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with like Shrimu or Miyoko's. And so I'll do mm-hmm. some paleo crackers with some olives and, and the vegan cheese when I'll sip out of my fancy glass while I'm cooking for everybody. Yes. Right. Glorious. And then yes. in the evening itself, I, I like to go to bed on an empty stomach. Mm-hmm. So I make sure that I am done imbibing food by 7 p.m. Mm. Okay. And then um, in the evening, if I need, if I still need that hand to mouth, which at this stage of the game is rare for me, uh, but there are for sure moments um, I'll have tea, Mm. big on making tea. Um, I'll make a um, non-stimulating elixir right? With coconut milk and, and maybe just a little bit of cacao powder. So I don't get that activity of the brain Um, and a little turmeric and cinnamon and vanilla, right? It's like a take on a golden milk, but cacao, Um, you know, I'll make a a CBD tea where there's this great hemp CBD store. So I'll get beautiful nighttime teas and do that whole thing. And then I, I make sure I drink lots of water so that I'm not, you know, up in the night. So that, uh, and then right before bed, I take another three, um, systemic enzymes Mm -hmm. and a probiotic. Do you take any vitamins, multis? I do, but that will happen multiple times throughout the day. And I'm sure the shake has a lot of vitamins in there. The shake has so much. I am again, like, where are you on your journey? What is it that you're trying to accomplish? Right? Like where I'm at right now, my focus is. Um, I'm doing a hormonal stuff, mm-hmm. right. Just mm-hmm. to stay balanced, just to stay balanced. Um, I have to say, ladies, just putting it out there for all those ladies listening who think they're premenopausal, 
you know, I'm going to invite you to investigate that that potentially is not true and that maybe your adrenals are shot. And what you need is to nurture your adrenals and get into some other natural remedies and supplements that bring you back into balance so that all of those symptoms potentially disappear, which mine have. Oh, I love that. It's incredible. Yeah. All Beautiful. Um, I do have a question about, you have kids, you have yes. twins, boys, right? Um, do you, knowing what you know, and do, do they know your lifestyle? And also, do you talk to them about alcohol, drug abuse, things like, cause they're of age, yeah. right? They're 11, 12. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is your take on that with parenting and sobriety? So it's <clears throat> a great question. Age appropriate conversations. I'll tell you when my father was ill with cancer, which is seven or eight years ago now, I was dating a wonderful man, but when my kids came to me and said, why does he drink all the time? Hmm. Well, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Well, they right? notice kids notice everything. Yeah. yeah. I knew it wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. And they also see you not drinking. So they see the, the, exactly. the difference. Yeah. Now also what they had seen for years. So my father I have been this, a single mother and the sole provider um, since the beginning. Uh, and it's the best thing we ever did for ourselves because I was able to extricate us from a very unhealthy, psychologically abusive relationship. And so I'm very proud um, and just deeply grateful that we've been able to have the life that we have. Mm-hmm. And um, my father though, always had a few beers, right? So they have this picture. He would come over with his, he would visit all the time. And he'd come with his bag, his cooler bag, and he'd hide toys in there as well. And he would be like, all right, go get the toys out. And they'd be like, grandpa. And he'd be like, haha, that's not a toy, you know, like little things like that. Um, or he, he'd be like, I've got you toys. Hold on. Oh wait. You know, and he'd pull out the beer. And so they have this memory of my, my father drinking all the time. Now, my father was a recovered alcoholic <laughs> who was a functioning at this. He had, he had been dry for a year, many, many years, and then was at a point in his life where he could have two or three drinks and mm-hmm. no big deal. And um, when he got cancer, you know, my sons asked is this because of the beer? Mm. And I said, well, it has to do with many things, but yes, the beer is part of that. Yeah. Right. And then with Eric, uh, you know, who I mentioned who, Oh, I, we were talking privately about that. Eric was someone I loved very much who uh, left us last year um, who had been sober and then struggling with sobriety um, after a, very traumatic divorce. And, uh, they knew because we had to drive him to rehab twice. So they knew, um, that, you know, that was not okay, Mm -hmm. that he was not well. Mm -hmm. So 
<clears throat> I have framed it, but they've also grown up when we have huge family gatherings, there's always wine and beer. Yeah. But luckily, 99% of the time, it's just a normal one or two glasses of wine and there's no big deal. Right. Mm -hmm. So they have a very, they've had very extreme, like, wait, it's either crazy or Mm -hmm. not at all. Exactly. Right. And at this stage, I think they're really, at least from how they speak now. And I pray, (laughs) of course, prayer. Yes. That's a good, you know, um, but they, they look at it as a poison as they should, because it is. Yeah. Even if we have a healthy relationship with it, it's still a poison, still a poison, which there are poisons that we take to detox the body. It's a poison. We have to know what a poison is and why we're using it. It's okay to use poison, but why are you using it? And what are you using it for? And has it become a poison that's taken over your life and a coping mechanism, right? Or is it something that's helping you heal? Amazing. And how powerful too, like, you know, something I wish I was told as a child, what alcohol really is. And so to empower your children, give them this information calmly, have a discussion, live it out, be like an example. I have these conversations with my kids all the time because it's, they're obviously, they're probably already faced with it. And just for them to know and to see, I would have loved to know that there was an option. So I think that's so cool that we are giving our kids this option of like really cool people don't drink. Like you can have so much more fun without drinking. And this is, you know, but you have to live it and be it. It's more powerful than just, you know, so that I, I love that's fantastic advice. Oh my goodness. I love what you're doing, the both of you. And I also just want to say, um, <clears throat> you know, Erin, I know more about your story than I do you, Michaela. Um, <clears throat> but it's, I'm so grateful to watch you shine the way that you do and to be out here just supporting how sexy sobriety is you know, and, and loving yourself and just being fabulous and learning along the way. Yeah. Like like we're we're never giving this map and like, okay, this is what you do. We're just taking it day by day, but doing, focusing on what feels good. Exactly. And that is what I know to be true for myself on a day to day. You know, it's, it just does not involve alcohol. Yeah. But anyway, well, I mean, I think we need to ask ourselves, right? Like even with food, like I think understanding our relationship with addiction, mm-hmm. right? Versus just this one substance sure. because addiction is addiction is addiction, yes. whether it's sex, whether it's drugs, which is, whether it's alcohol, whether it's working out, whether it's food, right? Yeah. It, ice cream, popcorn, like what is your relationship with the food you're using to numb out, escape, or not, you know, or or, yeah. or celebrate, because that's the most insidious. Oh, yeah, that's, that's awesome. that was the last. Right, the, the 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 celebratory drink was the the last one to go because I was like, oh no, wait, this is a celebration. I'm not drowning. Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's celebrate with poison, and yeah. I know. 
but I think that's it. Like we are so fantastic at making anything into an addiction if we are not first going within exactly. and coming from a faith place of fullness and love and radical self-acceptance and understanding our worth and our power. And, and then we can enjoy these things just because they're wonderful things, but they mm -hmm. are not, they're not going to save us. They're not our saviors. And I think when we place anything, you know, we look to anything to save us from on the outside, we're creating an addictive pattern that's exactly. going to own us. Um, but Gabrielle, this has been, I like, I, I have like, just, I almost, you know, I'm going to need time to process your story. It like, you know, I'm like holding my tears. I didn't know all the things I know now, but thank you for being so open and honest. And I know with your truth that you will help so many others because I think the things that you went through, people don't openly speak about. Well, we Gabrielle, I still wanted to talk about the, the relationship and how you didn't know that your partner had an addiction. Oh, mm. That's That's really important too, I think for people dealing with, I'm sorry to cut you off there. No, but it just, I was like, I need, I want to hear the yes. story <laughs> of your, your way of dealing yeah. with it. Um, and for anybody listening that has a partner who does drink and yes. uh, is struggling with that part, what Very was that common. like for you? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll, I'll first go back. And it makes people stuck a lot of times. It does. It does. Yeah. Of not it changing will, their, their, their relationship mm -hmm. with it. Yeah. It, it, and especially too, when you're trying to be sober and you're with someone who's drinking yeah. um, and you think you've got it handled and, you know, and then you find mm -hmm. yourself drunk with them one night and you're, then you're like in the spiral and the pit of despair. Like, why did I do this to myself? And, and they're good. They're a good person and all this stuff, you know? And I think that was part of my awareness too, around, my relationship while my father was very ill, but at the same time, my father was ill. So I couldn't even process, like I was just like hanging on by a thread. Right. But with Eric, he had, um, supposedly been sober for a few years. And I say supposedly, because the reality is while I had known him for 25 years and we were twin flames, we both went on a different journey and came back together. So I only know what he told me and then what I experienced. And he was sober at times. And then there was a decline, but we weren't living together. And there's a lot you can hide from a person when you're not living together. Sure. Oh my God. Or like so everything. Much. Yeah. <laughs> An entire life. Yes. So, you know, and we were very connected. So we would talk all the time. It was, it was, it was actually a bit codependent, a lot codependent. Mm. And, um, you know, him and I 25 years prior, a little longer now, I always forget time keeps going. Um, you know, we, we were partiers together. We, we were, you know, he was a DJ, you know, we met at a strip club. I was the cocktail waitress. He was the DJ, you know, and he was an Elvis impersonator and, oh my God, he was so, but stunning. also your dad was a musician. Yes, so it's like exactly. in a way you, you seek what you, mm -hmm. what you find comfortable. Oh my God. And my dad, <laughs> like he was, my dad would walk into a room and just, he took, he owned the room and Eric was the same way. He walked into a room and it was just like, oh, you know, 
And he was, he had been through so, want to talk about a story. Mm-hmm. Some people, I learned, I, I learned through this, a very powerful lesson. Uh, because I think as a child growing up with alcohol as a, a very big <clears throat> structure, mm-hmm. right, within a community and in nightclubs and my father being an alcoholic and my grandmother was an alcoholic, right? There was a, there weren't these traumatic, necessarily traumatic events. It was just alcoholism in and of itself can be traumatic. Yes. Right. And, oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, what I learned. And I think when we grow up in that environment, Al-Anon, the classic desire to fix, heal, and help. Yes. And I really knew that intellectually, done a lot of work, right? Knew it intellectually. Are my children too loud? Not at all. No. Did you go to Al-Anon meetings? Um, I tried it. It, 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 I was a hard, it's hard when I was younger, it was hard for me to be a joiner. I was really struggled with group environments, felt Mm -hmm. very unsafe. So I did, I would touch in on it and then more so hang out with one person who was into it. Mm -hmm. That's how I would like, same with AA. I would go a couple of times, but then I just like, I hung out with my AA friend. Yeah. Right. And that's how I got through. But what I learned in the, in, in Eric's passing, it was so much and same with my father, but you, you, you can't, I, I knew this intellectually and I know this, I mean, it's a coach. It's what I teach anyway. You know what I'm saying? But when your twin flame dies and you realize the extent of the wound that was there oh. before you, yeah, you really integrate that lesson in a whole new way did he die because of alcohol he did he did yeah he, he died of it yeah yeah sorry <sighs> that is tough yeah and uh, you know he he had a very very toxic childhood with a bunch of addicts and you know his mother took her life um when he was in his late 20s early 30s and we met shortly after that Oh, wow. Yeah. So he, he is sobriety, but you know, it, it's in retrospect. And why am I sharing this? Uh, you asked to, um, I didn't know that he was struggling mm-hmm. because when we came back together. He had been sober, right? So we came back together about four or five years ago. Now time keeps going on. So it's like 2016, 17, something like that. And Again, I thought he was sober. Yeah. And we kept dating. And it wasn't until the last two years of us together, which were the last two years of his life, that I actually knew anything was actually that he was on something. I started to get my spidey senses. Yeah. Like one time he showed up and it was the most subtle thing, but someone growing up around drinkers, he he like stepped differently. And I was like, did you have a drink? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I drank a kombucha. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know what? I'm going to trust him. Yeah. 
he needs to be sober. I'm going to trust that he's sober, right? I'm just going to trust him. Mm-hmm. But our intuition, you know, to the ladies listening. We always know. Always. always. My intuition, your intuition, our intuition is always spot on. You just have to differentiate a fear versus a knowing. Yes. Right. And those knowings kept coming. And then sure enough, one night he called me totally whacked. Did you try to help him? Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I just reminded him that I loved him and I was here for him and I get it. Like I get it. Like he's been through so much. And what was so magical about him is his, his love for life too. Like he saw, he believed in magic. He was tender and kind and loving and funny and fun. But I guess you just don't know the depression inside. Yeah. The disease. We are powerless over like it's the deadly disease. And doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. And it sounds like he, you know, the most kind-hearted, sweet, connected, deep souls who feel it takes them out because the That's feeling is like, you know, he he felt wow. so much. Yeah. And he just didn't want to feel anymore. Yeah. And I didn't realize that meant like anymore. Yeah. You know. So my kids, it was interesting because there were a couple of times, there was two events where I I let him come in and, and recuperate for a couple of days. One, I didn't realize. He was like, hey, I'm like, oh, we're going for the weekend. Yeah, sure, go to my house. It's a respite from the city. Totally. I live out in the country. And then I came back and I realized, oh, he's been, he's sobering up. Right. And then another time, again, I, I was still in my wound over it. Like I had been so not into alcohol abuse and drug abuse for so long that I was kind of blinded by my own Uh, inner child wounds around love and relationships and men. So I couldn't quite see some of these pieces. It wasn't until retrospect that I was like, oh my God, it was so obvious. And it wasn't until he was like curled up on my bed crying that I realized, oh my God, he is like, he is in withdrawals right now. Yeah. 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 How did that escape me? Well, it's, it's, you know, you point out he came to you and your place to to detox because it took him out of the environment. And what I see a lot, and this is alcohol and drug abuse is people who young, even young people who don't get out of that, that environment, the clubs, the, this, like, you know, I I have somebody in my life went to rehab twice and keeps on going back to the same friends. And, and I just, I don't see any change. And for me, I, I did a drastic I did a 360 or 180 or whatever many times over. Um, and yeah, I had that North star. I had the purpose. I, 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 I learned, I did the whole Barnes and Nobles. Like I lived in Barnes and I had eight hour days shifts at Barnes and Nobles, just reading, you know, if I wasn't bartending, um, nutrition, yoga, 
spirituality, meditations, all of the greats um, for over 10 years before I even put the pieces together. It takes a long time to undo same thing from 14 to, to 29 of just hardcore abuse. I had an eating disorder, you know, alcohol, smoking, <laughs> like it just, and now it's like, yeah, you go through it. You have a purpose that peace will be there. It's waiting for you mm-hmm. for anyone listening who's in it and who hasn't, you know, there's different stages of people and women listening. Some have tried some haven't yet. Some are thinking about it and you're, you're listening to this for a reason. Mm-hmm. You are loved. You are worthy to try again and to try again and to try again. And yeah, to focus on your body, on your health, study it. There's, you know, you don't have to go to school now to, to learn about these things, <laughs> you know, um, learn about your body, yeah. get yourself that focus off of something that's so toxic into something more healing. Well, and like change a, your environment. I think and the environment. Yeah. Because, because he worked uh, in construction in Manhattan and he was a foreman and every time they put him on a night shift, yeah, which he would be days for eight months. Mm-hmm. Every time they put him on night shift, it would all start. Yeah. It's a trigger. It's a trigger. It's a habit trigger. Your body sometimes overpowers that. Yeah. People, places, and things we have to change in early recovery. And then, and only then in a community where you're talking to somebody else and saying, I'm going to go here. I'm going to call you when I get there. I'm going to call you when I get home. Here's my plan. Then you venture back into it, but people, places, and things you cannot step into that because there's a physical addiction at play. So, you know, so even though like you are going to say, oh, I'm not going to do it, the cravings take over. This is called the phenomenon of craving. So, you know, and I'm just listening to this thinking like it, it's a complete radical psychic change going from, you know, using, drinking an addictive state to this, this other place of freedom that is possible, but it's a psychic change and it's, it's so incredible. It is. And I, I, on that point, I, I want to say that it's so important when, when he was with me yeah, and he would spend a weekend sober with the kids and I, he knew it was possible. Yes. See, I know. And he left mm-hmm. within a few days of being back in the old scene, he would forget And, and I, I just want to remind the listeners, like, go back to what I said I did. I made a radical change. I I left the city and I'm not saying you have to leave the city, but I left being a bartender. I left the friends I had, and I literally inserted myself in a brand new community that inspired me to keep going and to live my true path. Sorry, it's my cat. Stop. So, yeah. So community, community is huge. And and this is why Erin and I started our mastermind. It's, yeah. you know, even having the woman in there and just listening to different stories and different ways that women are, you know, it's like for us, sometimes they're small issues, but it's like, it's, it's big for somebody. And those are the hurdles that they have to go through. And there are simple ways around it that, that you might not even think of. 
you know, and um, like traveling or going to social events, like what the fuck do you actually do? You know, do you not go? Do you, can you go? And it's just exploring all those different options. Um, so, but wow, I love your story. And I relate to so many things. It's so crazy. Oh, oh my God. Um, love listening to you. I love your Instagram and I love your lives and I love what you put out into the world. Um, so tell everybody where they can learn more from you and maybe work with you and find you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And, and, uh, again, I'm, I'm grateful to be sharing with you here and, uh, for the work that you ladies are doing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can find me gabriellebrick.com is my website. Uh, Instagram is my name, Gabrielle Brick. Um, and I offer, um, transformations. Um, you know, we, we do 30 day, uh, reboots, uh, but I like to focus on 90 days because that's where we implement new habits, but we do it through 30 day increments. And I teach you about the foundation of building, um, a new relationship with food and self-love discovery through plant-based nutrition and mindset work and fun community with amazing people. Um, I have my VIP um, one-on-one coaching is on a wait list at the moment, but you can sign up for that as well. Um, And just, I I encourage you to sign up for my newsletter. That's really, um, you know, where I get to have deeper conversation with you. uh, so, you know, and, and I, I also will share special things through my newsletter, um, that I don't share necessarily on social media. So yeah. I mean, you can find that at my website. Amazing. Oh my goodness. Well, Gabrielle, thank you. I just love and adore you. And I'm just, it was divine intervention that brought us all together. So this was really such a special time to share your stories. Thank you. Thank you, ladies, and thank you for everyone tuning in, and we'll see you next time. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how-tos for navigating all the things sober, from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories, and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.